Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quay. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. I'm going to clue you in on a little secret right off the jump this morning. Really? I I never know what to get Quaid for the holidays, the man who has everything in his life. So I think uh, I think I'll get him some chaos this year. Oh, because to- that's what I need. Mm-hmm. I need more chaos in my life. Yeah. Uh, today is the day that uh, workers at one of the nation's busiest airports, O'Hare in Chicago, plan to announce their strike date. So if you were looking to travel through O'Hare for the uh, holiday weekend coming up, you may want to hold off on that a little bit. So they're supposed to announce that today. They're looking to unionize, and they're looking at a strike right ahead of the holidays. So happy holidays to everybody as we roll into that season. Should be fun as we uh, try to induce a little bit more chaos into that holiday travel season. Mm. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning on the morning meeting. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, coming up in just about half an hour or so. But we get to start this morning with the gentleman who just announced his kickoff to run for re-election to the office of mayor for the city of Quincy. It is sitting Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore, our guest this morning. Mr. Mayor, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show today. Thanks for inviting us out to the announcement on Saturday. It was good to see you. We had a great crowd, and I appreciate everybody who uh, came out. What I learned from that on Saturday is that you already are showing how much you've learned in your adaptability from your first run for office because we stood out in the cold four years ago yes it, it did the same thing you were smart enough to move it inside this year yes first uh four years ago it was uh, cold outside and then we we ended up doing it still outside but uh this year we had it right by a fireplace nice and warm everybody uh mm-hmm. was real toasty so if, if nothing else you can see he's already learning from the things that he's done during his first term uh, let's start with the simple things why did you decide to run again? Is it just a sense of unfinished business? Well, yeah, there's, I think there's still a lot of work left to do. Uh, one, I've been incredibly proud to be mayor throughout my entire term in office. What the community has accomplished in three and a half years, you look at addressing the aging uh, public school buildings that you had, uh, you know, Republicans, Democrats, independents get together to pass the first referendum in decades. Uh, Then we turned our attention to the Adams County Jail facility and the safety of that. Once again, you had really the community coming together to pass a referendum to build a new jail. Um, You know, you look at the companies that are investing uh, major dollars in the city of Quincy. And then you look at, you know, what what happened four years ago. You know, the reason why so many uh, people encouraged me to run for mayor was, you know, we were a city that was concentrating on, you know, still pursuing hydropower, a project which cost us five and a half million dollars. Uh, over, we had a budget that overspent our revenues, depleted our reserves, and uh, really, you know, one of the things I ran on was let's just measure basic city services, see, you know, how we can improve it. And uh, I think we've done that, but there's still a lot of work left to do, which is why uh, Saturday I announced that I will be seeking a, a second term for mayor of the city of Quincy, and I filed that paperwork this morning. You mentioned uh, the community coming together on uh, several different areas. Is are there are there still times where it's an us and them mentality? 
Oh, I think you're seeing those walls kind of uh, start, you know, coming down quite a bit. You look at uh, the fact that Adams County is working with us right now to house the Quincy Police Department in the new jail facility. Uh, you actually have the county board uh, working with us on the new ambulance center to see if it makes sense to have an additional bay for uh, a firehouse. Uh, you look at Tri Township. Uh, which worked with us to address uh, response times on the east side of town uh, with a mutual aid agreement. Um, all the work that the city of Quincy has done with the district to revamp our investment strategy in downtown. Thanks to that effort, uh, you know, we, we all traveled to other cities to look at what they were doing. And uh, thanks to that effort, we have, um, you know, a downtown rental rehab program, which has seen uh, around $600,000 in private investments downtown. So they can bring 16 market rate apartments online. Um, so we've seen quite a bit of collaboration, and really you don't see an us-versus-them mentality anymore, and hopefully you'll continue to see that with Quincy's uh, strategic plan that uh, we'll be uh, doing next year. Was there a project that you remember as a specific turning point? Well, I think really it was the schools. I think, you know, if you look at what everybody said, there's no way that Quincy's going to pass a school referendum. Um, most of the my parents and, and their generation didn't remember the last time they had even, you know, voted in favor of one. But when you mm -hmm. saw, um, you know, Republicans, Democrats, independents, uh, parochial, support the public, uh, you know, we got together for the uh, past uh, five mayors to come together, Republicans and Democrats. I think that was the real turning point for the community and a huge selling point. I, you know, I read a lot of what's going on in the nation, and I don't know of too many other cities that are building all new elementary schools. And that's really a tip of the uh, tip of the cap to our citizens. And it really speaks a lot when we're recruiting businesses to say, look at what we're doing with our school system. Um, the specific thing, Sean mentioned it a little bit earlier uh, about the easy stuff, things that uh, you, you still think we need to accomplish uh, in town over the next four years. Well, I think, for an example, we need to continue to practice strict fiscal discipline. We, you know, we took over a budget that planned on overspending our revenues by $1.7 million. Uh, it was a long road. We asked the council to make difficult decisions to, to end up uh, having a structurally balanced budget. They did it. Uh, we increased our reserves. And now we're ha having an opportunity where we can talk about what we want to invest in. And, um, you know, the chief of police and I are working on a, um, a program called the Quincy Turnaround Partnership which uh, is a new way of policing for our Quincy Police Department and addresses uh, not just going after the bad guys, but maybe those people that are on the fringes um, who are around the bad guys, giving them help so they could be productive members of our society. But we're going to talk about an, uh, an agenda for the second term. Uh, you know, the, I want to make sure that, you know, one of the things I ran on is that let's be a city that's prepared. We know that, you know, the state of Illinois could take funding from us at any time. We know there could be a downturn in the economy. We know there could be another windstorm. Let's be prepared to meet whatever challenges we may fa that, that face us. Let's be prosperous so everyone in Quincy can have the life they dreamed about as a child. So let's do some things to recruit some businesses and be forward-thinking. And uh, let's have a purpose, and that is to provide opportunities for our children that are really unimaginable to you and I today. So let's look at programs like the Quincy Promise. That was a uh, you know program that was formed hand-in-hand -hand with the business community that today 27 high school graduates are attending John Wood Community College all tuition-free thanks to the generosity of the Quincy community. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore has just announced he's seeking a second term in office. He is our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Mr. Mayor, we've seen a couple of names who have been longtime faces sort of around City Hall depart relatively recently. 
Uh, is, is that a comment on a dissatisfaction of where things are going? Is that just people move on and want to do other things in their life and there's goodwill there? There's a number of different ways to read that, and, and you're there every day overseeing the city. Well, I think when you tap uh, good people to serve the citizens of Quincy, people are going to take notice of that, and they're going to uh, have better uh, career opportunities that present themselves. In the case of uh, you know our director of administrative services, essentially the deputy mayor, uh, you know Glenda has worked tirelessly for three and a half years. Uh, she put in more hours than I think anybody uh, ever has in that position, and uh, got a heck of an opportunity with a new employer. And uh, you know she was at the announcement. Uh, Shirley supports me, and uh, like I said, I think when you tap talented people, um, people in the community are going to recognize them and provide them uh, career advancement. Quincy Mayor Kyle our guest this morning on the morning meeting. We'll continue our conversation with the mayor next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. the use of having a gopher if they can't go for the stuff that you need that's what i was confronted with last night it's the morning meeting on talk radio 9 30 the old day sean wtad i know if it was i could have just written a note yeah please sell mac nyquil this is for sean i'm sure yeah it used to be you could send the send the kid down oh my mom and dad did it i mean there i I, i'm pretty sure there are stories from uh, the past around here where they would send the kid to the bar for the growler Mm-hmm. Oh, that, absolutely. That, that occurred. Now, yeah, now maybe you would, can't get him. send the kid to go get a NyQuil. Right. I'd be 9 or 10. I'd be sent to the C-store on the corner. It was a block and a half from the house I grew up in with a note. Uh, they'd be like, here, get bread, milk, and like a six-pack. <laughs> and then I'd be like, six-pack of bush, you know. <laughs> South St. Louis, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest Quaid with you. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore, our guest this morning, after announcing he will be seeking a second term in office. Um, did you ever get sent to the store with that note, or are you too young for that? Too young for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. You should try it. Sign it, the mayor. <laughs> yeah. See if it works. Uh, it's not worth the well, money that's printed on there, Sean. I think it's a sting operation. <laughs> so you need, you, need, you need ID to buy NyQuil, but not to vote. That's right. Yes. Yeah, you need ID to rent a library book. You need ID to drive a car. Uh, you need ID for all these things, but but not to vote, because that would be that would be too much of a burden to put on people who wanted to vote. That's suppression. What did you make out of, um, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of ambush you with this, Mr. Ooh. Mayor. Okay. Um, there is a, uh, a Democrat from Chicago, Will Guzardi, and mm. uh, he, has, he has made some waves um, by, number one, saying that he wouldn't necessarily throw his vote right in for Speaker Madigan. He asked mm. for a meeting there. I think that's a sign of the times. Mm. The Democrats aren't just lining up behind him. But I took umbrage with uh, a line in an email that he sent out uh, saying that, quote, Illinois showed on Election Day that it is still solidly blue, and we must pursue legislation with that in mind. Uh, Cook County 
was certainly solidly blue mm-hmm. on election night. But if you look at the county-by-county county breakdown, uh, this is becoming a much more red state along the way, wouldn't you say? It is. It's looking a lot more like Iowa and uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, uh, certainly when you look at that county-by-county county breakdown. If you look at the actual uh, state House and uh, state Senate races, I believe the Republicans picked up four seats. Um, so I, I think I think the message that the voters sent was pretty clear. It, it's not as if the Republicans were soundly defeated at the at the state level, um, you know, in November. Really, what they want, and this is actually I, I have written a letter to the editor, and I think it's going to be printed this week. Uh, people want some action out of the state of Illinois. I don't believe that you know Mike Madigan, the Democrats, can continue just blocking reform. And we need reform at, at every level. We need reform, business reform, workers' compensation reform. Uh, we need s- certainly uh, reform in our system. Fair maps seems like a, a good thing to do. Good starting point. You know, uh, just some, some simple things that other states have done that didn't, you know, that didn't end their state. It was actually made their state better uh, that I think voters want to see. So, it's, you know, I think the message that the voters sent to Mike Madigan was stop being a, uh, you know, stop being obstructionist and get something done. With the inability to get something done in Springfield, that was the springboard to this part of the question, the setup there, which is how has the city of Quincy been impacted by there not being a budget at the state level, by there not being not even a unified vision, but a vision that's been put in place for the state going forward, whether it's one that your political affiliation would agree with or not? Well, I'll give you two examples. First, uh, if you remember, we were passing our budget in April, and the week of the passing, we were told that uh, the state had overpaid us in a certain revenue stream mm-hmm. by four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So, not only did they not tell us how they were going to, we were have to repay it, but then they didn't give us the calculation on how we can figure what our revenues were going to be for this year and next year. So that's uncertainty in your budget. You're not sure if your revenues are going to come in as you've expected. Um, Tonight, we're actually having a meeting um, with our finance and transit uh, committees to talk about the fact that the state has not paid the downstate transit authorities. And so you've seen in Jacksonville, Illinois, their transit system is shut down because the state has not paid them. Uh, Western Illinois is going to be in a similar boat. Uh, Bloomington has actually given layoff notices that if they don't receive any state money in their transit authority by uh, the end of the year that they're going to shut down. And so we are going to have uh, to come up with a shutdown date for the city of Quincy Transit Department if uh, we continue not to receive funding from the state of Illinois. It's almost as if, was it a week ago, there was the, the story, the perspective that uh, Illinois was the blue island in a sea of red. It's It's almost as if the, the residents of Illinois are a, a red island in a sea of uh, blue policies and bureaucracy anymore. Well, and, and you know, the, the problem is, is when you have these structurally unbalanced budgets and you have to keep robbing Peter to pay Paul, eventually the money runs out. And that's what's happened right now with the uh, funding for the downstate uh, transit uh, districts. And so they literally do not have any money or not enough money to pay uh, what's essentially a lot of its federal pass-through money. Um, and so it's a, it's a very dire situation. It's one that I've talked to um, our state representative, state senator, and our governor about the fact that you can't leave uh, the folks who rely on the transit uh, system out in the cold in January, February, March when they're utilizing that our transit system to get to doctor's appointments, mm-hmm. get to their jobs, get to the grocery store. Um, we need some type of um, lasting solution to this we can't every year be in a in a constant state of upheaval because the state of illinois can't get its fiscal house in order quincy mayor kyle moore our guest this morning on the morning meeting have you received any pressure from your fellow mayors to declare quincy a sanctuary city 
No, we we have not. Uh, we've not had that discussion. So I, I think that I did get called uh, from a few Republican mayors across the across the country. And, um, you know, there's a lot of Democrat mayors that have stood up and said that they'll be a sanctuary city uh, regardless of uh, what happens, uh, you know, in January if that policy changes. You know, one of the things that I, I believe in is that you um, you take the oath of office office to uphold the laws of the land. And I don't believe it's my job to thwart uh, federal law. Uh, certainly that's going to, it's a dangerous, slippery slope to get into. Quincy Maricom or our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Just, are there any uh, cities that have de- declared themselves uh, sanctuary cities that are run by Republican mayors? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Chicago is certainly Democratic mayor. I believe San Francisco, Seattle uh, would be likewise. New York, yeah. Uh, New York right now. Mm, uh, Minneapolis? Although, mm, Minneapolis is not Republican. Not Republican mayor. No. Uh, so, no, those are the major ones that come to mind. But that's a good question. Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore, our guest this morning hmm. on the morning meeting. Have you started putting together any sort of projected plans, uh, things you want to do with a second term in office? Um, who is who is sort of lining up with those ideas? Mm-hmm. Because um, you are the mayor, and, and certainly it's it's the will of the council that mm-hmm. determines a lot of these things. Sure. Well, I've been incredibly blessed uh, over the last four years to have had the uh, council support many of my initiatives uh, that I proposed during the 2013 campaign. Uh, we've adopted a supplier-customer recruitment incentive uh, for businesses. That's something I ran on. Uh, you know, we've done the uh, scorecard. We've uh, worked at increasing the amount of money that we spend on street sewers and sidewalks. So we're going to have an agenda. I believe that elections give us the opportunity to look at what's happened in the past, but more importantly, look to the future and look at what's possible. And uh, I've talked to a lot of uh, different people to put together an agenda, and that's something we'll be rolling out here pretty soon. Okay, I was going to say, the uh, on the list of agenda items, are you willing to share some of the first things that are at the top of that list? But if you're going to be rolling it out soon. And, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, we, we want to make sure that we're addressing addressing the needs of the business community, addressing critical infrastructure needs, and also, you know, doing what we can to enhance public safety. But I've always believed that elections, you know, anytime, I, I, this is now my third election. And as a, when I ran for alderman, I had ideas, uh, you know, put the city budget online, mm-hmm. uh, fund infrastructure in a different manner. Uh, so I've always, when I've ran, tried to make it about ideas and not personalities. And I think the citizens will be well served if we have a robust discussion about what's possible in the next four years. You mentioned putting the budget online. There are other city services now that can be accessed online mm-hmm. as well. Do you have any numbers that indicate the usership? of those opportunities because Quincy has a reputation for being an older community Mm -hmm. and older communities are oftentimes slower to adapt to new technology. It's Mm -hmm. a simple fact of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are people utilizing those at the rate that you thought they would be? Uh, It really wasn't about utilization. It was about opportunity. I thought uh, when I was an alderman uh, for my friends that are my age to get involved in uh, the city, they would do so from the comfort of their own home at the computer. And so I wanted to give, uh, you know, people an opportunity to get involved regardless of if they had the time to come down to City Hall. It used to be if you wanted to see the city budget when it was proposed, you'd have to go downtown during working hours. So that means you'd have to take off of work just to see your see the mm-hmm. city budget plan. And so we, we also, when I was an alderman, passed a 21-day online public inspection period for budgets. So as we're proposing it, you can sit at home and look at what we're doing. So I don't have numbers on utilizations, but it's really about opportunity to make sure that if one person wants to view the budget online, then we've done a good service uh, because there's not, you know, a lot of cost to putting it online.
Quincy Maricom or our guest this morning here and, on the morning. And we've meeting. also done that, by the way, with our council meetings. It used to be you had to have Comcast, and we're very fortunate that they broadcast mm-hmm. our meetings. But now you can go online and watch our proceedings, even if you can't catch it live. You want to talk about reality TV? <laughs> Grab yourself a uh, Quincy City Council meeting. Nice bowl of popcorn, and I'm telling yeah. you. Like you, you know your favorite beverage. It can't, yeah, it can be salt and butter popcorn. You know, it, it, it has its light. It has its lighthearted moments as well, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week we almost got around the horn. Well, nobody without a comment. See, yeah, well, well, the, nobody wants to see city government run as a rom com. No, you know, I mean, there's there's too many downsides to that. But uh, you know, it's it's something that is an opportunity to be tuned in in a way that we didn't have in the past. And, mm-hmm. and you know, sure. joking aside, that goes to your point that access is what's available now to citizens that really was harder to come by. That's right. And if you, if you look at what we uh, did with the Quincy scorecard, uh, you know, before people would ask, you know, hey, I have a uh, tree that's on the list. How long does that take? Well, now you can go online uh, under uh, the transparency section, go to the Quincy scorecard and figure out what is the average time it takes us to cut down your tree uh, to fill your sidewalk and just gives you a good idea of, um, uh, you know, what you should expect out of your city services. We're often our own toughest critics, so give yourself a grade for your first term in office. Sean, boy, um, <laughs> I would uh, hope I'd get a B plus. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, certainly when you ask people to make tough decisions, you're going to pick up your share of critics along the way. And, and we've asked the city council to make difficult decisions to ride our financial ship, uh, to look towards the future, to, you know, to change the status quo. Uh, you know, there are times where um, certainly the council and I, uh, you have 14 or with me, you have 15 diverse leaders in the community. And uh, you, you look back at, you know, things I could have done different. And there are times that, you know, perhaps the council and I could have had a, uh, a better relationship on a certain amount of votes, um, you know, giving them information sooner. Uh, but you hope when you uh, you somebody comes and says, hey, I would have liked that uh, sooner then you try to better yourself and try not to make the same mistake again twice. Quincy Maricombor, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. It's time for the contractually obligated one minute of Dodger talk with the mayor. Manager of really? the year. Yeah. Hot stove time? Yeah. Right. Manager of the year for the Dodgers. Congratulations. And so, rookie of the year. And rookie of the year with Seager. He yes. had a great year. Yes. What do you see him doing this offseason? Well, I, I hear they're going to try to pick up a second baseman. So I'm I'm hearing, uh, I, I forget who the second baseman is for the Twins. Frazier or some, something like that? Dozier. Uh, Dozier. Dozier. That's it. That's yeah. it. I almost had it. They've been looking at him. So uh, I'm hoping we pick up a second baseman. All right. Congratulations. Should be another fun year mm-hmm. out at Chavez Ravine coming up next year. That was only 30 seconds, but we'll call it good. Yes. His honor, Quincy Mayor Comor, our guest this morning. If people want more information about your uh, run for office, they can see it where? Uh, and they go on Facebook uh, or uh, Twitter, Instagram, any of these social media platforms. All right. Quincy Maricomore, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, joins us next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD.
the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Short week this week, so some things are going to be a little bit disjointed. We'll fill you in on the planned schedule coming up uh, before the end of the show. But one thing that's always a touchstone to start our week is Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, good morning. Thanks for taking time. Good morning, guys. Good to be with you. Thank you. One of the things that I was a little bit disgusted with when I woke up this morning was seeing the treatment that Melania Trump received from quote-unquote celebrities at the AMA Awards last night. Uh, does Do the disappointed liberals have no bounds of, of good taste at this moment? This is a woman who all she's done is pick up the ability to speak five language, run in a very high-profile position that she didn't ask for alongside an outsider running for president in our country, handle herself well throughout and remain well-spoken. She seems to me to be someone that should be held up as a, 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 well, a hero is maybe too strong of a word, but a role model, someone that we should point to and say, look, in times of adversity, she handled herself so well. God knows how many breakdowns I would have had if I was, you know, married to someone who was seeking a, the, the highest office in their country in a foreign language that I barely spoke. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Um, I thought it was uh, just tasteless. And um, you could imagine if, if this would have happened to uh, Michelle Obama, if someone would have said, you know, played a little... Uh, uh, little segment on her like this, we'd never hear the end of it. Um, but of course, Hollywood would never do that because it, there's just two different standards. If if uh, if you're a Democrat, you're put on this pedestal and treated like royalty, and if you're a Republican, you're treated like your KKK, which is uh, what this group was singing last night about Trump. And you're right; his wife has nothing to do with the campaign. She has mostly kept herself out of the campaign. And for them to just uh, smear her like that, it was just, it, for one, it wasn't funny. It's just mean. I think these, these Democrats lately think that their meanness is funny. And uh, they're the only ones laughing. I think the rest of the American public was pretty turned off. I know I was. Uh, this is something that you have to wonder about that two-tiered system because when you look at it, if you just looked at it objectively from the left's own criteria, she's a woman, which would be one of their protected classes. She is a non-native born to this country, which should also be one of their protected classes. Her biggest offense was marrying someone that, that they have deemed beyond the pale. So are we really going to tear down and give up so many of the pillars that, that the left itself have, have decried uh, for not being recognized, uh, the, the feminist movement and so forth. And, and she's far from the traditional sense of a feminist movement. I understand that. But she seems to check off so many boxes that they would normally be cheering for, Jim. Oh, yeah. You could imagine if she was a Democrat. I mean, uh, they would be so thrilled to have someone like Melania Trump as a first lady. Such a classy woman, beautiful woman. Um, and intelligent and uh, certainly a strong woman for uh, you, you see what she's done with her life. So, uh, again, it's just, uh, you know, this, this double standard, it's, it's beyond belief. Um, I don't know if they – I cer certainly don't think they, they uh, make any new friends when they do this, but they are, um, they are escalating the rhetoric 
that's uh, that's true. They like to blame that on Trump all the time. But um, I just put up a post a, a few minutes ago where even on their uh, on their Twitter stream today, uh, the Democrat Party, their Twitter stream, they're talking about the KKK and white supremacists and Donald Trump and his uh, cabinet members. And it's like, really, this is where they they're going to. Not not only is it offensive, and uh, it, it, but it's ridiculous and it's completely false. So uh, this is where the left is running today. After the you know they got shellacked a couple of weeks ago, they're just. Uh, they, I, I think it's an implosion. I hope I'm right. You know, I, I hope Americans aren't listening to this kind of crap. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Yeah, it shows a uh, lack of awareness uh, on on their part because it, it completely ignores a the Democrat Party's uh, history to uh, label Trump's picks and potential cabinet picks as uh, all uh, white supremacists. But uh, taking it back to the awards show, this is part of the reason, or I think a big reason, why people just don't tune in and watch them anymore, Jim. You know, I, I I I didn't even think about watching it last night. But if they did have award shows where they kept the politics out, I think they'd, their audience would go way up. You know, um, mm-hmm. I. But uh, I I know for myself that's one of the reasons I don't watch the Academy Awards or the Grammys or mm-hmm. you know that it's because I don't want to get lectured to by some you know stupid liberal artist. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I used to, when I was in my 20s, a buddy of mine and his wife always had a, a sort of black tie Grammy event, just something fun to do. But everyone's sort of fallen away from that over the years, and they fall a little bit more toward the center and, and on the left side of the aisle. And even they say it's become too preachy for them. How much of a vacuum is there in the sort of entertainment industry, Jim, as opposed to what sort of non-entertainment, even liberals are up to? Because it it seems like it's become almost its own echo chamber, disjointed from the rest of the party. Well, and that's what they uh, found out election night. You know, they thought uh, everybody was all ready to uh, pop the champagne bottles. And uh, in fact, there was one report that the Hillary camp was uh, popping champagne in the afternoon that day. Uh I don't know if that's true or not, but there was a report on that. But, uh, again, then they're, they're floored when uh, the results come out and, and Trump takes 30 states and takes uh, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Michigan, you know, states that they never thought would, uh, would go to a Republican. So, uh, I, you know, but it doesn't look so far that they're doing any really uh, soul searching. Really, they're just venting and, and lashing out at Republicans at this point. Well, they're still in the early stages of dealing but, with that grief mm-hmm. cycle. The soul searching lasted literally for like a lunch period, and and then they got back to who they were. Except they wanted to ramp it up a little bit further. Here's the thing: when you push yourself further and further to the left, you're leaving more and more people by de facto by de facto further on the right. Uh. I think so, yeah. And I think you're just losing a lot of uh, the, the middle ground. Uh, you know, when, they're, when they accuse every Republican of being a, a member of the KKK or a white supremacist, after a while, you know, people quit listening to you. And that's basically what they're doing so far with Donald Trump and his cabinet picks. I wanted to get to that. 
You've been an ardent Trump supporter from the beginning of this, Jim. What have you made of the announcements that he has picked for his cabinet positions? Now, of course, many of these offices have to be confirmed by the legislature, but it, it, this is part of the uh, crossover team's responsibility is to make these picks during the transition time. Have you been impressed? Have you been uh, doubtful of some of these picks? Where have you fallen if you've watched these very first steps for the Trump administration unfold? Um, I, uh, I think they're good picks. I think they fall in line with what Trump was saying during the campaign. Um, the, the left is very upset that these people aren't, you know, kowtowing to, uh, uh, you know, Islamic regimes and, uh, that they're actually, some of these people have said some things about, uh, Islam and radical Islam that the left just, you know, they're just, uh, frothing at the mouth that anybody would be so honest about the real problem that America faces. Uh, but I think they're good picks. I think they're solid picks. Um, they fall in line with what Trump promised, and uh, I don't think they're uh, radical by by any uh, any measure. Um, the left today, of course, are going after uh, Senator Sessions, who would be the Attorney General. I mean, compare Senator Sessions, this accomplished man who actually fought to desegregate schools. Um, in Alabama, who, who uh, put some KKK leader away uh, for murder. Um, this is a guy who uh, has a long history of, uh, of, of you know, uh, deciding and, and sticking up for the, the minorities in his state, and they're trying to paint him as a KKK member. So uh, I, I, I'm pleased with his picks, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if everyone who uh, Trump appoints is going to be called a member of uh, the KKK and uh, – being a white supremacist. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, terrible time uh, for police officers. I think there are four police uh, shootings over the last what, 36 hours or so. You had uh, South St. Louis uh, down on in Hampton, uh, San Antonio, Sanibel in Florida, northern Kansas City suburb, Gladstone. Any updates on uh, any of those situations, Jim? You know, I've heard about uh, the shooting here in St. Louis. It's, uh, it's, it's in a pretty decent part of town where this happened, and this guy rode up right next to the cop and shot into the window, uh, shot this, this officer, sergeant, twice in the face. The sergeant's going to make it. Now, what happened then last night was uh, they, they were able to locate where this guy was. I think he was on their radar, and it sounds like he was a pretty, uh, pretty bad uh, character. He... Um, was wanted for uh, uh, murder, um, and this is just within the past few weeks, robbery. Um, so uh, I, I don't know much about the person at this point, but uh, they, they, they got him last night. Um, but uh, a really bad person, they got him off the street. It's horrible to hear these types of stories, you know. And, um, again, this, this part of St. Louis where this happened in South uh, Hampton, it's a, it's a relatively, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's not a lot of violence or crime in that area at all. So uh, I was surprised when I heard that that's where the shooting happened. Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit on the morning meeting. Uh, are these officers waiting for the transition in your mind, Jim? Not to speak to any one in particular, but in a broader sense, there's been the feeling during some trying times of violence here at the end of the Obama administration that uh, the president and leaders in this country don't have their back anymore, to speak on a broad brush sense. And Trump made this part of his platform that saw him elected was that he would definitely have their backs in these situations. 
You know, what I think, uh, and I said this back in 2012, too, I think the president who follows Barack Obama is going to go down, uh, you know, as one of the greatest presidents because Obama has been such a downer on this country. I know that there's a fringe on the left that thinks he's been great, but he's decimated the Democrat Party. Um, they're just a fragment of what they are today. As, as when what they were when Obama came in power. He's just a downer. He lectures America. He doesn't stick up for America. He doesn't stick up for American workers. Uh, he, uh, you know, uh, bashed America just yesterday in, in Peru again. So uh, I, I think that the, the country is going to be so relieved. And I've, I've heard those, I've read those stories. I've heard those stories already um, where people are feeling uh you know, happy uh, that Trump is in and that uh, there's a change coming because Obama has really been an awful person and an awful leader for America. And hopefully we won't make another mistake like Obama anytime soon. The Gateway Pundit Jim Hoff joining us this morning on the morning meeting. Jim, the president uh, late last week and over the weekend uh, is uh, talking about fake news organizations and uh, websites uh, out there. Is, is fake news anything that uh, disagrees with his administration and policies? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, we're only hearing about this because Hillary lost. If Hillary would have won, this, this would not be an issue at all. Democrats don't care about this at all. Um, it's, it, everything with them is always political. Um, the reason that they're talking about fake news now is um, it's just another way to clamp down on a Republican on conservative websites, on conservative stories. And uh, so they're hoping that, uh, you know, Facebook uh, uh, will crack down. And uh, even Facebook came out with some tips on how they can maybe get uh, stories, uh, you know, certified or, or websites certified. Well, mm. we all know how that's going to work out. It'll all be these leftist uh, uh, hacks who were having dinner with the Clintons and uh, asking uh, the, the DNC for tips and uh, for stories when they were interviewing Republicans. We know that now from WikiLeaks. They're nothing but a bunch of hacks. The Democrat Party and media is one, one machine today. We know that uh, from WikiLeaks. So uh, the only reason this is popping up is because Democrats lost. Otherwise, they wouldn't really care because they control everything, as you guys know. They control everything, the academia, Hollywood, the movies. Um, the the media, the news organizations. So uh, now they just want to crack down on the few remaining conservative uh, websites and uh, who who helped Trump uh, win uh, a great victory earlier this month. Yeah, if I'm Trump, now that I know it's out there, I want that New York Times front page that they had printed up that said Madam, Madam President, President on the top of it. I want to get that. <laughs> I want to get that framed, and I'm going to hang that on my office wall. So we'll see if that ends up happening or not. Jim Hoff, The Gateway Pundit, our guest this morning here on the morning meeting. Jim, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, Jim. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll wrap it up next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.
It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Swain with you this morning. More from the uh, Will Gazzardi email to colleagues. I've referenced this with Mayor Moore when he was with us this morning. Thanks again to Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore and Jim Hoft for joining us this morning on the morning meeting. We'll talk to Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, about this tomorrow. Uh, Gazzardi, the Democrat from Chicago, has filed House Bill 6628. What this is seeking to do would be a mandatory divestment, not investment, but to divest all of Illinois' pension funds and investments from any company any company that plays a hand in securing the border with Mexico under President Trump? Uh, okay. Uh, he says it would be a message from the people of the state that if Trump wants to build his wall, he can, but our taxpayer dollars won't go to support it because those aren't Illinois' blue state values. Okay, the state went blue for Hillary Clinton. Really didn't go blue other than that. This was also the same Gazzardi who wants Mike Madigan to get into the process and uh, help move things forward. Yes. And this is a uh, people are complicated situation. Not everybody's a, well, nobody's really 100% good or bad. <laughs> they got my message. <laughs> <laughs> Thread killer. <laughs> So we'll see where this goes. We'll ask Ben Yount about that coming up uh, tomorrow here on the morning meeting. Speaking of which, a uh, short week this week with the holiday coming up on uh, Thursday for we Thanksgiving. Jam it all in there. Yeah. It's we, like the uh, stuffing of the turkey. <laughs> it's kind of falling out on both ends right now. Uh, today, obviously, we had Mayor Moore and uh, Jim Hoft. Tomorrow is where we're going to start kind of jumbling up the schedule. Ben Yount will be with us, but Aaron Baker is going to join us tomorrow. Okay. As well. So we'll get into some we Missouri, Missouri things. And Illinois. Uh, and Illinois things. Uh, we've got a, a big variety of things to talk to Aaron about. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow. And then Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican, he'll join us at the first part of the show on Wednesday. And then something special for you on the second half of the show on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that's the way that the short week is kind of shaping up. Producer Josh is going to have everything up. You need to get away from family. You know what? You need to really bond with the family. But if you're willing to take a time out or you want to take a time out because you want to listen to the podcast, we'll give you special dispensation for that over the holidays. Sure. If, if you're traveling, we make great road companions. Certainly. And if you, uh, you know, if uh, huddling up with your family over the holidays means some uncomfortable situations uh, and you need your own time away or you need to be reminded about some some perspective on situations, sure, the podcasts are always there for you. When you're gathered with family, especially this year, there's probably going to be some residual tension from the presidential election. Don't feel the need to get into it. We do it every day. You don't have to. I'm not saying run, but don't feel the need to get into it. We do it every day here on the show. You can talk about that every day, no matter what side of the aisle you're on or who you voted for. Appreciate your family. Appreciate the time together. This holiday yeah, season, everything doesn't have to be political, despite mm-hmm. uh, the way the the left is pushing it into almost everything. You don't have to make it that way uh, around Thanksgiving with your family. Yeah, There's certainly other things going on in your life that aren't political. Yes, I would remind you of that and, and give thanks for those people that are with you. Just a second left this morning here on the morning meeting. Thanks again to producer Josh, to Mayor Kyle Moore, and to Jim Hoff, the Gateway Pundit, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. And since it's the holiday week, mm-hmm. Wade, mm-hmm. you know what that means. What? Later on this week, 
Raider basketball get a tip off another Ooh, season. You'll yes. hear that here Friday night on WTAD. So the holidays always bring great tidings and uh, heralding the basketball season it's as that well. that time of year. Should be a lot of fun. It's a Quincy tradition. That's well, going to do it for us. The uh, Illinois Watchdog tomorrow and Aaron Baker from Axiom Strategies. We'll see you then on the morning meeting. Adjourn. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.